Well, and so so thinking about retention of employees, like why do people leave? One of the reasons that people frequently state is I'm just stagnating. Like I'm not growing in my career. They're not invested in me. I'm not developing as a professional. And so I'm going to move on where I can have an opportunity to do that. Well, guess what? You don't need to move on. AI is going to help move you all, not move you on, but move you along, right? So that you can continue to do things that are interesting, add value, to the business. I mean, you said content creation. So it's not like outing yourself. And I don't know why I'm even phrasing it like that, but, you know, using chat GPT to help us with some of the post creation that we do, like it just massively can stream. I can take an audio file, drop it into a transcription program, drop that into chat GPT and say, give me the five, you know, primary themes of this conversation. Like all that's done in 30 seconds. Now, what can we do instead of spending three hours just trying to sift through all of that? Right. Now, that- and that's just it. That's a perfect example because the same thing with learning tech talks. It's a podcast I run by myself. I have seven kids and a full time job. There's a limitation on how much I can really do with the podcast. And so there's a lot of things I knew that I would have liked to do. But I just went, I don't, I literally don't have the capacity to go back and do it. And I don't have the money because I'm doing it for free to go hire someone to do all this stuff. So for me, I look at these AI tools and go, wow, like I can actually analyze the full transcript of my conversation and pick out some things that I still remember. And I can go, no, that's actually a really bad, like we're not going to use that. But then the other ones where I go, no, that's actually gold that I would have totally forgotten about. How do I drill that out and make that into other things? And I think that's where it's going back to the, it's not a zero sum game. Yes. There are things that you're not doing that you wish you could, that you can't because you're constrained. And this is unthrottling those constraints. No, what a great word. Oh, that's a great book title, unthrottle. Um, because, <laughs> um, I mean, we, for people that are listening, and this is not an HR limited conversation. This is anybody that's leading some part of the business, or if you're just the worker in the business. But when AI can free up capacity to go do other things that only people can do, comma, right now, then go lean into those things and, and find new ways to add value. And oh, by the way, things that are more interesting to you. And I love how you say it. it is not a zero sum game because that assumes yeah. that the pie isn't constantly changing and in reality expanding. Yep. The pie is expanding all the time. This is an abundance mentality, not a scarcity mentality. And if you can embrace the abundance of opportunity, not the scarcity of this one functional task oriented thing might be going away. It's a, it's a radical mind shift uh, to take mentally. Yeah. And I think the two things to people who would listen to that, who I see lots of dissenting voices on this. And actually, if you were to look at my YouTube channel, you'll see I have some very cautiously optimistic statements out there as well, because there are two things that anybody listening to this needs to consider. First of all, one, you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that is just not always fun. I think about when I got back into fitness it was miserable. I mean, it was miserable. I was sore and it, like this was not a fun time to go through, but it was worth it. And I think that's one of the things where there's these promises of, you know, oh, it'll be just 
sunshine and puppies all the time. And it's like, no, no, you're going to be really sore and miserable and frustrated. And you're going to be challenged. And, you know, if you just want to sit back and do nothing, eh, yeah, you're, that's not going to go well for you. But I think the other thing is just like you can create so much opportunity and do all this other stuff. And this is why I'm so passionate about helping people understand the tech is you can also do some unintentionally nefarious things in an organization if you're not careful. And I think that's where I am already trying to caution people to tread carefully because you can do irreversible damage if you're not careful and thoughtful. And if you don't understand what you're doing, and if you haven't thought that through, and that doesn't mean have analysis paralysis, but you do need to think carefully about what you're doing. Cause it's not, you know, utopia on the other side, there is some real risk. Yep. So, so let me ask you this, just as the, the L and D tech guy for a second, just, sure. um, what are the two or three, and I don't mean brands or vendors exactly, but yeah. more like categories. What, what are what are sort of the tech innovations that have you the most excited and why? Um, so a couple of things. So one, I'll just focus on kind of adaptive, which really ties to personalization. You know, historically, when you look at people's learning trajectories, we, and this isn't a knock on how we've had to do it. There just really weren't better ways to do it. There's a reason an individual coach is more effective than going through a class. It's like, well, because somebody gets to know you, they understand your needs. They're able to adapt and pivot and change your pathway based on your dynamic experience and where you are. That has historically been held for the elite, the very few, the selective. It just was not available to the masses. Where the tech market is now going, we truly can get to know an individual cognitively, emotionally, you know, developmentally, and actually be able to say, this is what the right path for you looks like mm. versus this is the path we have. Honestly, whether it works for you or not, we did our best to try and address everybody's needs. But as a result, we made it so generic. It honestly probably sucks for everybody, but hey, we did it. And I think that's what's fantastic is we can actually say, no, you know what? Bob's development looks vastly different than Christopher's and can provide that individualized experience that was never possible or scalable. Mm -hmm. Going back to the zero sum game, it was just one of those like, this is opportunity that did not exist yep. 10, 15 years ago. So I'm extremely excited about that. Something else I'm extremely excited about, which you know, is met with mixed reviews is we're able to give people experiences, legitimate experiences. And I would still say we're still early on in this, but when I look at the immersive tech space, mm. we can now actually put people in environments and situations where they can learn and actually that they couldn't before. And I mean, I was experimenting with this years ago where we were actually putting people in like cultural contexts to learn things that you can't teach in a classroom. And it's far too expensive to put someone on a pl or unsafe to put them in different places. And I know sometimes immediately jump to like, Oh, like you mean training airplane pilots, how to fly? Well, yeah, but that's not new, but I'm talking about what if you could teach your employee, like for our company, what if you could teach your employees, 
what the patient experience was really like if you were the patient. Mm. And immersive tech can now do that. And we still have a ways to go, but you look at that and go, that's not something we used to be able to do to teach people through practice and action in the context in which they would actually be doing it in a safe way where when they need to hit the emergency button, they aren't causing real damage to themselves or to others. I mean, that is extremely amazing. And that's not just for adult learners. You think about the possibilities for kids growing up type of a thing. So I think there's that. You know, I think the third one, and then I'll I'll quit because I could probably literally talk about this for the better part of a day. But a third summary one was, it's historically the amount of time people spend at work simply trying to find things or figure out how to do things Mm -hmm. that is wasted time and energy that we can now say, you know, I look at digital adoption technology or I look at, you know, where generative AI is going and the ability to be able to say, we have all this information in our company. How on earth can people even get to it when they need it? And when they need it, because the usual response is something went wrong. Let's just train everybody. Well, we know it doesn't work and it's an awful experience for people, but what did we have in the past? And now we can say, Hey, I know Bob is about to do this thing. And this is something that's really important that he knows right as he does that. So let's make sure he has that information and we remind him of it. And if he misses it, let's also point that out so that he can actually redirect his actions moving forward. I mean, I see this in some of the stuff that's happening in meeting tools that can now even say things like, you're talking too much, Christopher, tone it down, or you're only talking to this person in the meeting. This is an, this is not a, a meeting of belonging because this is a conversation. I mean, that kind of performance support and real-time enablement didn't exist you know, 10 years ago. Wow, that emotional intelligence coaching basically in the moment, that's wild. Um, yes. you, know, you were this, this idea that there's too much information, like where to go find the answer, you know, in particularly in a, and I know that this is squishy and not all in the same place for, for any, even any two companies, but, you know, remote work, hybrid work, you know, well, as much as I don't want to go to a fixed office location, I totally understand some of the benefits of doing that to be able yep. to peek over the cubicle and say, Christopher, like, do, do, do you know how to do this? Or, hey, like, I just took a call from a client. What's the answer to their hard question that I don't know the answer to yet? Well, when I don't have the opportunity to peek around the cubicle and ask you that, you can't necessarily slack your way to greatness. So yep. if you know, what the precursor, I guess, to AI was big data, right? Everybody's talking yep. about big data, big data, and wrangling big data, and the analytics on big data. And AI just like takes something that was squared and cubes it and just like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but it's that kind of a thing of being able to actually not just, where do I find the data? What's the answer? Just tell, all I need is the, I don't actually need more data. I just need the answer and AI is perfect for that. Yep. And I think that again, goes back to differentiating between development and enablement. You know, there are some things that it's, Mm. and this goes back to even skills. I have lots of conversations right now on what skills are actually a giant waste of time for companies to invest in, because the reality is people don't need those skills because those skills are going to disappear before you can even develop them in your organization. So what are the durable skills underneath those 
so that, yeah, they can quickly figure out what they need to know and get the answers to it. But then once it erodes, you go, it's fine because what we built was we built ourselves on the bedrock. Couple quick questions. Um, is there sure. technology that you think is being overhyped or is even potentially dangerous? Um, yeah, oh, well, yes. <laughs> Going back to the risk conversation. I mean, look, so let's take immersive tech. Again, this is a rabbit hole that we could go down for too far. But let's take immersive tech. We fundamentally today are very poor in terms of understanding human experience and the emotional implications and all this stuff. Throwing things at people and going, hey, now we can just put you wherever you want. We still don't know what that could mean. And so I see some of this stuff that gets overhyped you see the Apple Vision Pro commercials where people, this one just made me sick in the thing where the dad's sitting with his kids with his Apple Vision Pro on, you know, taking pictures while he's in. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like when I'm sitting with my kids, I should not be in my Apple Vision Pro taking pictures of my kid, like be with your damn kids type of a thing. So I see some of this going like, whew. And then I also see AI where I go, you know, we're promising, we're making these promises of whatever you want, you can have. You want to create a video of this, you can do it. You want something that creates this for you, you can do it. I have seen too much of human history to know just giving people what they want is like diet soda. It, it's potentially carcinogen, like it's potentially cancerous and it's certainly not going to satisfy you. And the fallout of that to me is one of those risks that I'm like, we need to be really careful about this because I don't necessarily believe, no, actually I adamantly don't believe what people need is just limitless bounties of whatever they want when they want it. I think that is extremely dangerous. And that's the promise that we're making. And I think we need to be careful. No, it's a fair point. And ironically, I mean, you see the people that, you know, helped invent AI going, we need to slow down here a little bit. Yes. Yeah. When, when the godfather of AI steps away from his career and goes, I'm on a campaign, not to say, shut this down, but to say, hang on a second, before we create a monster, we can't put down. Can we think carefully about what we're doing? And I, and I think that is wise words that we should all be listening to. Okay. So I'm going to set up my question in an ironic way. When, when I do these interviews with a lot of um, executives, I'll often end them by, you know, what qualities do you most look for when you're building a team, you're looking to promote somebody, uh, I think there's kind of two sides of the same coin where they say natural curiosity is very high and um, learning agility. And and Steve Cadigan, LinkedIn's first CHRO, and he wrote a book called Workquake. So that's really the superpower, you know, for this post-pandemic world. And then this is really for AI, because AI has only been kind of on our radar really since what, November of last year. <clears throat> so, and he wrote the book, it, full a year and a half before that. But basically like learning agility is the superpower. What do you say to a CEO or a CFO who doesn't see investing in L&D as strategic? 
that it's potentially a waste of money. All I'm going to do is train the best people. They're going to leave or whatever the other major objections would be. So I think my success in these conversations has come from not talking about learning and development. I just, I don't have that conversation because I know that that's where it automatically goes. Um, Is this just concern around, well, why would we invest this kind of money in type of a thing? I really have found that talking about the challenges that the organization is facing and how people really are the key to this. So how are we going to get the people to help solve these challenges? I honestly, you know, I hear some of the conversations from my peers. Ah, I'm having such a hard time getting our CFO to be on board with this or our COO doesn't get it. And I'm like, well, what is the conversation you're having? Because I don't run into those same challenges and haven't in my entire career. Now, that doesn't mean that whatever Christopher's wanted I always get, that's not the case. But historically, whenever I run into those barriers, I have to take a hard look in the mirror and go, how did I represent this? Because did I represent this how I think? Or did I actually get in their shoes and say, what are you losing sleep over? And how can this be the key to solving that problem? Because once you get there, and to me, it's just a translation issue. Half the time, I mean, I've been thrown out of boardrooms. I've been thrown out of conference rooms where it's like, absolutely not. And then I go, okay, well, that's odd because here, this is a problem you're telling me about. And then I realize, nope, it's the way I represented it. I didn't come from the point of view of them. Yeah. So I think that's so interesting for me that um, A goes back to what's the problem we're trying to solve. You know, Johnny Taylor talking about, you know, we need to be business experts. We need to speak the language of business. What, what I think was kind of between the lines of what you were saying is, you're not selling this program. Hey, we need to invest in this. Pro- well, dude, I don't need any more programs. Like that's not, on my, that's not on my balance sheet income statement, right? Or, or statement of owner's equity. So I don't really have that problem. I've got a market share problem. I've got an innovation problem. I've got a profitability problem. I've got an international expansion problem. We have a lot of problems. A new L&D program isn't on that list. And yep. so it's like, you know, back to where you were. And you can continue to, you know, kind of pine for a seat at the table. But the reason you don't have a seat at the table is you're not speaking the language of the people at right. the table. They're like, what? Did, I don't, I didn't come to you telling you I need another leadership program. And here's the other thing. And this is the part that sometimes won't make you popular. <laughs> a lot of times it won't make you popular, <laughs> but it's needed is I get it. Cause I'm there too myself. Sometimes, sometimes we're so busy running that we don't take the time to stop and go, wait a minute, like what are we running towards and why are we running that way? The book I wrote is Relentless Intention because one of the key secrets that I found to help people with this is so often they have not actually drilled back into like, what are we really trying to do and why? And that can be a reactionary thing where you may, you may get a message from a business leader going, I need, and they may even frame it up in a way you go, ha ha, our moment, I need training on this. And you go, sweet, like, let's go do it. And then you go back and they're like, yeah, never mind. I don't have time for that kind of, and you go, what just happened? And it's because you didn't take the time to go, wait, what was underneath that? Because everyone was just moving so fast. And if you can dig past that, you find these durable things that they don't, they don't sway in the tides. They don't get blown by the winds like so many of these other things do. Yeah. So last, last little topic here, the, 
almost maybe it's the second to last topic. One of the realities is technology will displace some people. Yes. Yes. I mean, like, yep. there's just some jobs that. At least from what they're doing now. Yes. Let's just pick on content creation for a minute. Let's just say sure. that some jobs in content creation are going to go away for whatever reason. Um, you and I had talked, you know, kind of in one of our previous conversations about, you know, managing to the exception, not to the norm. And, and when people do need to go, that, that there's a level of respect and dignity. Could you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, over the years, I have let people go. I've had to, I've done reorgs where parts of my organization no longer needed to be there type of a thing. But at the core of it all, and I think what has kept, you know, that genuinely and generally a positive experience is the dignity and respect and remembering that at the other end of that, there is a human being, a person that has a family, that has emotions, that has an identity. And you can't treat that like it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, actually taking the time to say, every single person on this team matters and we're going to consider that. And obviously you've got to do it within reason, but there are ways that you can have that conversation and, you know, go down that path. And honestly, I found if I were to calculate it, it has probably been very rare exceptions where I've had someone that just, they didn't see it. They wouldn't accept it, you know, and it's just been, I would say 99% of the time, it's been met with appreciation and dignity and a transition into something else, either internally or externally. And sometimes those people have ended up being boomerang employees. They've left and I've ended up hiring them back because a new opportunity came up and they were so appreciative of the dignity and respect they were shown. Either they came back or they're the ones that sent me the people that ended up being my rock stars. Cause they were like, I know what you needed. And I know that wasn't for me, but I know this person and they are crushing it and they'd be great for your team. And you're like, the person I just let go is the person referring candidates in. And that matters a lot. Particularly in a social media world. I mean, glass door is not a secret. So um, last, last question. If you were to go back and give advice to 20 year old Christopher, and I know that's only been a couple of years, but if you were to go back and do that, what advice would you give him? career advice. Oh man. See, this is a, this is the one's a tough one for me. Cause I've was asked recently, like, do you have any regrets? And I'm like, no, I don't because my whole life has been a learning experience. Mm. So if I could go back and give myself advice, I actually think it took me longer than I wish it had to realize how critical other people were. Um, and not that I, they didn't matter, but that it was just more, I kind of had this rugged independence, American Western culture that it's just like, I can do this on my own. And if, and I don't need anybody and I'll figure it out type of a thing. And I'm invincible and maybe everybody does in their twenties. Cause you're stupid and you got an <laughs> ego the size of Montana, but I wish I could have gone back and gone. You're not as smart as you think you are. You're not as talented as you think you are, and you need people a lot more than you think you do. So don't mm -hmm. forget that because you may end up making a lot of mistakes and creating a lot of hardship for yourself that you could avoid if you just recognized that you desperately need 
other people and you need a heavy dose of humility. Um, That's probably what I would say. You know, part of what resonates with me, well, all of that resonates with me and is, you know, sometimes it's the, you know, I'm awesome, but I wonder if that awesome declaration is really insecurity of like, I have to take all the credit because I'm trying to create an identity for myself and I need to soak in all the credit for this to build up my equity account in my mind that I actually know what the crap I'm doing, right? So if I give Christopher credit for this, well, that's that's good for him and not for me. And kind goes of- back to the zero sum game thing. If I'm giving someone else the credit, that's less credit than I'm that I'm getting, and it's like, no, actually not true. Yeah, and then what you get is that scarcity and abundance mentality, and you know the reality is opportunity is abundance, and we're so often we're just afraid of loss, and again, it's it's a very natural thing, so it's like not fault finding; it's way that we're wired. It, It helps us live. In one sense, but at the same time, it prevents us from living because yeah. we're worried. Well, and I grew up in a, and I, Mo Godat said this, and I related to it because I grew up in a funeral home. And the thing he said that is a thread, red thread in my life that just sticks out is he said, living is dying and then before you die. Like living is dying before you die. And to me, that was one of those that is, there's so much truth in that when you can actually die to the things of this world and go, I don't need to be tied up in this. And I don't, you actually can begin living. And um, yeah, it's, it's spot on. Well, I don't have to do better than that. So Christopher, <laughs> I, <laughs> I look forward to many more forward conversations with you. Would really encourage folks to listen to and subscribe to your podcast. If they want to go find that, what's the best way to do that? I mean, it's on all the whatever favorite podcast thing you like. If you like listening to it, um, I do go live on LinkedIn with mine. So I have a lot of people that follow me on LinkedIn because then they can actually participate in the conversation. And then this year, I kind of committed to growing my YouTube presence. So those really are the big areas that people can find. So Learning Tech Talks with Christopher Lind. Awesome. Well, Christopher, this is a a great friendship. I'm glad uh, we started. I appreciate everything that you had to share with us today. Wish you much success and just appreciate how you're evangelizing for this intersection of people, business, tech. It's all in this soup that needs to work and you're helping people make the most out of it. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Bless you guys. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening and look forward to seeing you next time. I know.